0: From grain to glass, this show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're homebrew bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. But I'm Brian. And this is the best beer show on the internet. Darn right. Alright, before we get too deep here, uh, I want to give a shout-out to the American Homebrewers Association. They do a lot to support homebrewing and homebrewers, and now they support us. During the AHA, we'll give you discounts at homebrew shops, select tap rooms, uh, and select tap rooms, as well as give you access to the fantastic Zymergy magazine. Click on the fur link at the bottom of the homepage and join today. So I'm going to give a shout-out to our patrons, specifically our Black Belt patrons, Andy Thompson, Bjorn Bjornsson, Tyler Romanski, and Barrel Brewing, and Brian Bryanson. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Good old Brian Bryanson. <laughs> (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I keep neglecting to say black belt patrons on the other... Oh, that's, uh, you're, I mean, you're, you're
0: a new host, man. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Episode
1: seven of the Hop and Barrel. Happy yeah,
0: uh, and you just had your uh, significant others on, which yes. was a whole, like, special Valentine's Day special type deal. and That was interesting. Um, actually, Brian, will you go hit those light switches? I totally I forgot will. to do that. And, like, I forgot because we're actually having sun again for the <laughs> first time in such a long time. Got real dark, yeah, and just crank the other one. Perfect. Thank you, Brian. All right, um, and then we also have a. Uh, so if you'd like to become a patron, head over to patreoncom studios and become a patron today, or you can uh, click on the patron link over our homepage at uh, blindingstudios.com. And while you're over at BlindnessStudios.com, go ahead and click that store link and check out our store. Uh, we have a few new things uh, up there that are pretty exciting, and you guys can get some cool merch. Um, and you can also just go directly to teespring.com slash store slash studios and check that out directly. All right, Brian, what have you been up to uh, lately in the beer world, my friend? Uh, it's been a couple of weeks since we yeah, chilled,
1: so. yeah. Uh, I went to uh, what used to be uh, Flat Earth Brewing, which is now called St. Paul Brewing. It's in and the old Ham's building, correct? It is in the old Ham's building. It's a really nice, uh, like, big... Uh, old brick complex, um, and there's neat graffiti everywhere, Um, and it was a couple different breweries. And, um, yeah, just real really nice spot. There was a disc golf putting league because they have kind of a lot of space to spread out on the grounds of the brewery. There's actually a little distillery across the way, too, so that was pretty fun. I tried their, a couple of their IPAs. Um... One one a little bit more of a juicy and one of a wet, one more of a wet west coast. So. Oh, nice. It's super fun. What about you, man? Very cool. Um, yeah, so uh, last week I talked a little bit about how I was
0: building this fermentrack system, and I finally have it done and mounted in a box
1: and all that. I did that Ooh, uh, last week. I could week. Um, throw a little carousel up on the Instagram if yeah, you guys yeah, yeah. And take a oh, look yeah. at that. Uh, I, have, I, I should have all the pictures. I think so, yeah, because I
0: was sending them to you as I was doing them because <laughs> I was I was excited and it was a
1: whole thing. Well, I mean, you and I both like to mess around with small yep. electronics and and, uh, and then code the little Computers, though. yeah,
0: yeah, and so, uh, so for those of you who don't know or haven't listened to the episode, Ferment Track is basically an open source, um, I guess, fermentation, uh, like utility. I don't like, I guess, web server is probably the yeah. right right way to say it. So, I can basically log into a web server running on a Raspberry Pi that is controlling three different. Um, temperature uh, controllers. Which are run off of... an, Which s- is a run, run off of Arduinos. SBC, single board computers. Yep, single board computers. Uh, and it will also uh, connect to my tilt uh, sensors. Um, and so I can set... Uh, fermentation temperatures and pro- more importantly, uh, fermentation profiles.
1: Are these tilt? Uh, you, what you're talking about is it's like the the product is an airlock essentially that. Yep.
0: Yeah. But that. Uh. Yeah. So it's essentially it's it no. So tilt is not the airlock. Okay. That is. Uh. I think that's eye spindle or oh. something like that where that measures like the bubbles. Yeah. Um. The tilt is. Uh. It's. You a drop it in the beer. Thermal well,
1: or is it a little... What does no, it's, it look
0: it's, like? it's, it's, so it looks like, um, I, I mean, I guess kind of like a three-piece airlock okay. um, that that's sealed at both ends, mm-hmm. and you just drop it into the beer, and it floats, and it takes the gravity reading that way and temperature uh, readings. Okay. And so with uh, what's going to happen is what they're working on right now is they're working on an update that will allow you to set fermentation profile or temperature profiles based off of specific gravity um, reading from the tilt in Fermentrack. So what I'll be able to do is say, okay, um, I want you to be at this temperature until you hit this gravity and then go here until you hit this gravity and then go to another temperature. So basically for loggers, I can set my logger fermentation temp until it hits what I believe will be like 10 points before specific. And then I can set it either for a time or um, gravity duration. So I could do like, oh, say for three days, jump up to this temperature for my diacetyl rest and then plummet down to logger. Right. So
1: you can program it to, to run that diacetyl rest operation all automatically
0: automatically. based off of what it's reading from the tilts. Yeah. That's really cool. Which is incredible and makes everything
1: kind of hands off. I'll take a few pictures of, um, your, the actual tilt and some other things, and yep. then I'll, I'll uh, throw a carousel up. On yeah, yeah, Instagram. that'd be awesome.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. So it was, it was fairly simple to put together. Um, like,
1: <laughs> you know, you know, for 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 dudes like us, yeah. I mean, well, so it, it's it's it,
0: one of those things where if if you really wanted to do it, you could figure out how to do it. Um, yeah, you in, in a way to make it work for you. Um, and it's super cool. I really like it. Um, like, and like, so one of the temperature things runs my glycol chiller, so I can I can monitor that remotely now too, and just being able to have this like I cold crashed a beer from bed the other day. Yeah, and I was just like, oh, I think I can keg this, so uh, I should probably cold crash it,
1: huh? Mm-hmm. And so I cold crashed it from bed. That was awesome. That's really neat. Yeah, and I don't, I don't. I mean, you guys are going to see these pictures, and they look like super complicated, but I. I, trust me, don't look at it that way. Um, I'm one of those folks that didn't know much about uh, small electronics. I, oh, yeah,
0: and don't don't judge my wiring, okay?
1: You know someone's gonna judge. I know, my I know, I know exactly who's gonna judge my wiring. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying for those that don't know enough to to judge said wiring, uh. I, don't look at it so much as, it, as it's very difficult to do. It looks a lot more complicated. Yeah, if than an it, idiot like me can figure it out. Like, no, 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 this. no. If an idiot like me can figure <laughs> it out. <then laughs> so
0: anyway, moving on. All right. Um, yeah, so getting to the meat of the show today, um, we are talking about, oh, man, this is uh, this has been a long time coming. Uh, We are on the last chapter in the new IPA book that we're going to talk about. There's one chapter after this that is advice from other pro brewers, and I feel like that is something that you guys should buy this book and read. Yourselves
1: instead of us just rehashing exactly what they're saying. I, everybody's looking for a little something different. So if out of all these breweries in the back end, I'm, you know, they've they've pulled if different techniques from this entire book. So yeah, um, we're about to dance into an, an, a into a dense chapter in an already very yeah. Dense uh, book. So
0: just just uh, so that fi- that final one, um, the breweries in there are other half brewing, uh, prison city brewing. Uh, Rubens Brews, Breakside Brewery, uh, Bissell Brothers, Great Notion, and Sapwood Sellers, which uh, Sapwood is Scott Janish's, Scott's. so this entire book is basically a Sapwood Sellers book, but, mm-hmm. you know, it is what it is.
1: Yeah, uh, um, but this yeah. has been a long time coming, so yeah, what? Uh, when did we start this book, do you think?
0: Um, I I was actually gonna look that up, and then I got distracted with the puppy.
1: Um, and <laughs> we'll talk right. about that next yeah. week. Uh,
0: but yeah, so I think it's been it has to be over a year now. Oh, it's definitely very yeah. definitely over a year. Uh, but yeah, so we're talking about st- uh, stability and hazy IPAs. Uh, this was. A really interesting chapter for me. Uh, I remember when hazies came out on the market, and you probably remember this a little bit better than I do or at least are more intimately familiar with it. Um, the big problem everybody was talking about was shelf stability mm-hmm. because everybody had different ways of getting that haze in there. Some were leaving a lot of yeast in there, and yeast is notoriously not shelf stable. Um, other people were adding like a lot of like oat flour and stuff, and w- as we'll talk, like that increases oxidation. Um, and so these beers were notoriously unstable on shelves
1: right yeah and and what's the main reason why they would be un, unstable and in that a big part of it is oxidation yeah or how the many many different ways that oxygen can be uh, a, uh, added to uh, the product after it's supposed to go through thiol synth- synthesis or like the Initial oxidation or uh, oxygenation of it when it is just still wort. When it's still wort, it's all right if there's some oxygen in it. But if it's finished beer, um, you know that's bad. Like, and you've heard it here. Like Katie's been on. You know she runs the canning line. She runs a thirty-five can per minute canning line basically by, by herself, which is insane. And you know if if in a matter of seconds. If too much oxygen is introduced to the beer, there is drastic color and flavor differences. Like drastic, like mm-hmm. noticeable. And we've been on the air and opened one of those. Yeah. Um, I can't think of what episode it yeah, is. Yeah, I don't, I don't know the episode, but I
0: think it was a Space
1: Force. And, it was definitely Space uh, Force. So
0: Katie so. opened one and I opened another and they were drastically
1: different colors. It was in the same four pack. Yep. So, you know, do professional breweries still fight with this on the daily? Heck yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll talk. So
0: basically, we're, we're, we're mostly focusing on oxygenation and uh, the different things that cause it. And there were some really surprising things in here yeah, that I'm are, excited uh, to talk about. Our good friend Theols <laughs>
1: pop, the, uh, pop yeah. up again <laughs> like, <laughs> from, I mean, so, from Chapter 11.
0: I, every time you say Theols like that, I'm just I, – I picture, like, Bill Cosby saying, Theo, Theo.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so as you know, thiols are a sulfur component, and we'll, we'll dig more into that in a minute. Um,
0: yeah. So, uh, so when we're talking about beer oxidation, um, it's well known as the main enemy of fresh, delicious, hoppy beer, um, which is why we go to like, great lengths to avoid it. Um, so, one of the primary antioxidants in beer is sulfite, um, which you know when we were talking about thiols, like it's a
1: thiol. Yep. It's a sulfur compound.
0: Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, So, sulfite acts as an antioxidant uh, by its ability to remove or scavenge the reactive oxygen um, from from the beer. Uh, The recommended uh, level for flavor stability in beer is about eight to nine uh, milligrams per liter. Um, So, the more the sulfite level is depleted. So, so, all right. So, when when we're talking about this, we're uh, so sulfite. Is, is the big thing there right mm-hmm. uh, is is how we're getting the oxygen out and cool. sorry if, if I'm talking a little loose here uh, it's just it's I'm trying to yeah. wrap my brain around the concept and then translate it out right try, try and read,
1: try and read this if you guys are reading along in the book then you'll yeah. understand this but yeah
0: um, so oxygen um, all right, so oxygen needs to be converted to a radical-activated form before it can be react with other species in the beer. Um, and this activation is, uh, can be caused by trace metals in beer. And this is kind of what we're talking about. It are, is going to be the reduction of these trace uh, metals and how they react with um, the
1: sulfite antioxidants or the yeah, theols. Yeah, and, and um, a, there are a lot of metals...
0: Yep. trace metals in beers but the, the three that we're focusing on are iron copper and manganese <laughs> which I couldn't say two weeks ago that was a whole thing <laughs> yeah I remember
1: <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't make the word come out um, why, but so why – just a recap though, like why do we have metals in, in – I mean where well, do they so, come from? So, these,
0: so the, the metals actually come from everywhere. So yep. your water, uh, your malts are a massive mm-hmm. uh, contributor. And even the hops themselves will contribute uh, specifically manganese. Yep. And then um, a
1: few of these are actually uh, – they're decent uh, minerals the, to, to feed to that eukaryotic organism we like so much, the yeast cell. Yep. but there's some some things that that you know they get pushed into other parts of the beer.
0: Yeah, like if you've ever had if you ever tasted a beer that um, it had like a metallic, like almost like penny like character, and I know we we've all had them like that's too much copper it's in the beer. copper. Yep. <laughs> Hopefully. Um, or if you you have one that has, uh, for lack of a better word, like a blood like. Character that's too much iron. Oh, yeah, like yeah. these, these are these are things that you can really pick up um, as as a taster fairly easily, um, but they can be hard to place if you're not thinking about it. Right. All right. Um. So when we're talking, all right. So we have theols. Sulfide is a primary oxidation, uh, but protein derived thiols act as a secondary antioxidant, um, particularly the lipid transfer protein. Uh, so
1: going forward, we're going to call the lipid protein transfer L. TP1. Yes. For reference, um, the lipid transfer protein. So it, it's it plays a role in inhibiting, inhibiting oxidative reactions in beer, in part because yep. it uh, has an ability to withstand various brewing conditions, like many different conditions. Yep. But
0: it, it also uh, promotes head retention.
1: So it's something so that lipids we lipids are fat, and yep. if we talk about how it relates to a protein, it's a lipid transfer protein.
0: Yes. Uh, it, redundancy. You yeah, yeah. yeah, sorry. Um so this is all just kind of set up to get to the interesting bits, at least I think so. So Brian, I think I think you you're the one who put me onto this. Um Crystal Malts are more oxidative. You've told me this for a very long time like don't use too many crystal malts in an IPA because it reduces the shelf life of the beer. Yeah, and right.
1: I I'm going to I'm going to tell you that again and I probably said it then and I'll say it now that was totally back then it was totally anecdotal. Now yep. I read this book. Now I know why. Exactly. Yeah. So this is um, this is
0: anecdotal evidence that a lot of brewers have known for a while, um, and it's just not been
1: hugely not like so. Uh, well, you, you know, you like you drink the beer, you say it's oxidized, but it's fresh. Why? Yeah. There's a bunch of caramel malt in it, and it's an IPA. Okay, that's keep those things in mind as we move into the next little rant. Yep.
0: Uh, yeah, so crystal malts reduce the oxidative stability of the beer by accelerating the metal-catalyzed oxidation, and should be kept at low levels in hazy IPAs. So basically, like the these crystal malts, um, like if they're used as a large percent of the grist, um, they they basically the malleard compounds um, allow the metals to oxidize more quickly. Um, so any available uh, oxygen in the beer reacts quicker with any of the trace metals like iron or copper, um, and so if you're ma- so a lot of professional breweries are making great hazy IPAs with a touch of crystal malt and are having this issue. Uh, so basically, if you want to use crystal, five percent or less is where where you want to be in your beer to
1: minimize yep. that. Five percent of the total grist. of the grit yeah. Mm-hmm. So your myard compounds, or as you call it, you say mylard, whatever. It's six and one half dozen, the other. But yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's. I'm supposed to pronounce it like. I don't know either. Yeah, it's potato potato to me, honestly. But myard is basically, for the uninitiated, is uh, sort of that like toasted bread uh it's that biscuity biscuit that, um, um any anything in your I mean if you guys are listening to this you you're probably doing home brewing and so you probably <laughs> know what we're talking about as far as these um the more like the caramel malts anything sea caramel yeah. malt is what we're talking about here so all right yeah. Um,
0: all right, so problematic metal ions like copper, iron, and manganese manganese are reduced during the brewing process from wort boiling, loss to trub, and during fermentation. Um, so, like while while you're doing these things, like they're they're all introduced during the mash, essentially, um, except for some manganese that you're gonna pick up with dry hopping. But we'll get to that in a second. So. As you're boiling, like these these metals are being bound into the long chain proteins and dropped with the tr- with the trub, like so that's uh, like your trub has a lot of these trace uh, metals in it, which is why you don't want to transfer the trub into the fermenter because then you're gonna have oxygenation issues. Um, so just keep keep that in mind, just as a general rule of thumb, not just for hazy IPAs. Um, and then fermentation, uh, fermentation removes most of the copper and iron, uh, because of the yeast, uh, using that as a yeast nutrient essentially to like work on its fermentation stuff. Like well, for,
1: to make the cell healthy. Yeah. And ma- so ma- make, the things. R- what it's yeah. supposed to do. Uh,
0: yeah. go back to our yeast, uh, discussion. Uh, I can't go. Oh, wow. That was almost two years ago now. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. I keep saying, yeah, no. I just heard that. Yeah, son. All right. So, fermentation removes most of the copper and iron, but manganese will remain in higher amounts if present in the wort and can lead to quicker oxidation. Uh, Again, because these metals react readily um, with oxygen, think rust. Like, while while we're doing this, rust is the key component here. Um, Like, manganese oxide, iron oxide, copper oxide it wants to react with these and create these bad flavors. Um, then we get into uh, some some more interesting stuff here, at least for me, uh, when we start talking about dry hopping. So different hop varieties have varying concentrations of manganese, which can be extracted into beer during dry hopping. Manganese extracts uh, more fi- uh, efficiently during dry hopping than iron and copper, even when it's in lower concentration in the hop. So if you're looking at the hop chart. Uh, so in this book,
1: yeah, I've you know and we've referenced this like a whole bunch of different times. Um, if you kind of go towards the beginning of the book, and I'm paging as quick as I can here, Theol. Uh, <laughs>
0: well, we're not we're not looking at Theols right now. We're looking at the manganese chart on page two hundred seven. I was just calling
1: you Theol. Oh, we're looking at oh, that's what oh, I see. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking yeah. about manganese and hops. Yeah, yeah. Got yep. It.
0: Yeah, and so. Um, if you look at, like, well, uh, you, you take this one for a minute. I've talked enough. Uh, my goodness,
1: where were we? So, yeah, different hop varieties. We're have, talking about, yeah, manganese and hops. Yeah, so there are some of them where it's, they're way, way up there, and some of them that are, that are significantly lower. So, your Columbus's, uh, Fuggle Cascade, Centennial, Tetanang... Citrus oils, mosaic are some of the more common ones that are like way up there with uh, parts per million of manganese. Um, and they, like you were saying, it extracts, uh, manganese extracts more efficiently during dry hopping, dry hopping than iron and copper, even when it's uh, in a lower concentration in the hop. So shorter dry hop durations and colder dry hop temps, these are what are going to help reduce the uh, uh, amount of manganese extracted during the, Uh, Dry hopping process.
0: Um. And so, like, looking at this chart, uh, I'm seeing a very clear, um, like, relationship to the ones that we're traditionally using to dry hop these hazy IPAs versus, like, ones that we use to dry hop, um, like, our classical West Coast IPAs. Um so like Columbus here has 101.9 parts per million ppm yeah parts per million yep yep yeah. ppm uh, mm-hmm. of manganese versus Galaxy which is
1: 33.1 That's uh, pretty drastic.
0: Like, and how how many Galaxy um hazy IPAs have you seen?
1: Oh god like, all of them yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 one of those it's a hindsight.
0: Yeah, yeah it's just a lot yeah of these.
1: well why does it you know yeah. What, what Like what hops have more problematic metal ions in them? You know? uh, it
0: turns out like the C hops that we were using in the old school IPAs and once this hazy thing came we were having shelf stability issues, the ones that uh, didn't uh, were the ones that tasted better and so those hops became more popular
1: because they had fewer of these uh, metal ions in them. Yeah, so that's interesting. I guess what they're calling for then is like a shorter dry hop duration and colder dry hop temps. And these are going to reduce the amount of manganese extracted during the dry hopping. Um, another section to kind of move into is, and we've talked a little bit about that, about this in, in the book On malted grains.
0: This uh, was the other thing. Um, So he does he does a um, a study or an experiment in this book with hops that we're going to talk about in a second, but that uh, about how dry hopping with high alpha acid hops can actually remove
1: um, metals, right? Because there are like sulfite. Yeah, precursor because, in those hops and sulfites, yeah. as we roll back the sulfite and and health, moving back, all things lead back to theals. So theals, theals, uh, are a sulfite, and then that's what's going to scrub, scrub some of that oxygen out. Right. Um. So we'll get to that in a
0: second. But the oh. other thing is, a, a lot of this comes back to me learning about hazy IPAs for the first time a few years ago when they were first starting to become a thing, and all the homebrewers trying to figure out how to create that haze. Well, now we're talking about unmalted grains versus malted grains. Well, unmalted grains have a lot more manganese in them than malted grains. So your, your chip malt is better than your oats.
1: Right. Because oats have like three times as much. Yeah, and so flaked oats have more than three times the amount of manganese than malted barley.
0: It's it's kind of insane uh when like all of these recipes have or, or are calling for oats. And you've been you've been talking about like chit malt and what was the other one? Not spelt spelt spelt. Spelt malt, yeah. Mm-hmm. For years. Years. It just as like use that. Use and that
1: instead. If are you trying to get protein, use that.
0: Yeah, and not necessarily for an oxidation reason, just mm-hmm. as a like this is this has worked well for me in the past. It's worked
1: well, and then I tend to pay attention to um, tr- you know, more traditional means of making beer because they're tried and true, I mean, right? Mm-hmm. And they're tried and
0: true for a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so like watching, yeah, so seeing. How like, oh, having having like pulling pulling the flaked oats out, replacing it with chip malt, you still get that same haze. you still get that same body,
1: uh, but your shelf stability goes way up. Exactly. So yeah, the whole reason we're talking about this manganese is just, you know, like the different metal ions in there. Uh, impact on and, and manganese is the hardest one to get rid of, right? How oxidation works in beer. So that's if you're, if <laughs> I'm having a little bit of a hard time following this because it's so freaking dense. It,
0: it's pretty dense. Uh, I, I guess like reading it, it makes sense, and then now I'm trying to explain it, and now I'm having a completely just very hard time right. so uh, just putting
1: to, it out. we were talking about metal and as it relates to. Yeah, I'm gonna put the book down, and I think that oxidation. Help. Yeah, there you go. Uh,
0: yeah, so. Um. So the the next thing. Well, I, mean, I want to roll back just one second sure. here, um, and talk about you. You mentioned to me, uh, I think it was last two weeks ago when we were when we were driving. We were planning on doing this topic then, and we wanted a little bit more time to mull it over just a little bit more. Yeah. Um. That I was it. Hey, uh, Hudson Hayes. You guys were talking about reducing uh, the oat in or yes. removing the oat completely.
1: Totally removing and replacing to, with chit. And shit was it for this reason or uh partially yeah and then you know partially you know like the oats just not <laughs> doing what it needs to do and then uh adding the oats was to reduce the amount of flaked barley that was going into the mash ton directly but not through the actual auger from the hopper. Okay. So, because you can't really, like, it wouldn't, you, you can't really auger dust up into the... What, uh, what do you mean you can't auger dust? You need a right. vacuum. <laughs> you need a suction auger. Yeah, so there are a couple of reasons to, to move to that. Um, but, so doing that, why like, you'll see a, a higher shelf stability, right? Yeah, and that's that's really our main concern, I think. i I think people want the juicy flavor uh, and there are fewer people that want it to look like some kind of glass of orange juice with no head, which I still don't care for and don't understand. And I, I don't want my beer to look like dishwater. I I don't either. That's, but that's, that's, that's that's our thing. That's fine. I don't know if breweries think that they sell two to one, then I mean, what, what other shitty beer are they making?
0: I'm not, I'm not going to lie over the last year and a half that we've gone through this book. I, uh it's one of the more difficult styles out there. It is. Yeah. Uh, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of
1: technical know-how in this style to do a really good one. I just think that they all taste exactly the same because if you look at what what stuff works in these beers when you read this book, there's a, an actual technique and and you know, we we just proved that with the this table here where it was like, oh well, shit, we'll never ever be able to use Columbus in one of these beers ever, you know, because it has hundred and one point nine parts per million of manganese. Like, yeah, you just can't th- do it. There is a way that you can make these, and that's it. And so they're all just in general going to taste like the same muddled. I feel. I feel like you can say that about a few different styles, though. You can. A Pilsner comes directly to mind. Like, there's only so many ways to make a Pilsner. How do you make the Pilsner stand out? You make the water profile correct. Yeah. Well, I'm using air quotes too. Like, you make the water profile correct. And you use, you know, the ingredients that, you know, exhibit the terroir of where the beer was made. So, you know. I'm saying the same
0: thing can be said about hazy IPAs. There are a lot of, I don't want to say bad, but. Substandard or so su- like subpar, yeah, subpar ones out there. Just because, oh, okay, this beer's not clear. Let's just call it a hazy and it'll sell mm-hmm. because that word sells right now.
1: Yeah, what's our what, well? People people are keyed into DDH, and it's like, yeah, a lot of our beers are double dry hopped. Actually, in fact, the one that you're drinking oh, now is quadruple dry hopped. It it's we space four dry hop sessions on it. So technically, we should, what, should we put QDH on, on there? You know what I mean? If that's what makes the beer sell, like, is that what I'm supposed to do? Well,
0: it's, it's, I mean, we're getting into beer buzzwords, and I think we've done an episode on that. Probably. Um, And we we should probably do another one. I think the last one we did was, uh, when Budweiser came out with their Beechwood Aged campaign. Oh, funny. Yeah. Uh, Because none of that, none of that makes sense. But, yeah. So yeah, everything's double dry hop now.
1: You can't do. Well, a, we learned we learned that in this book that yeah. you, you want to space out your dry, your dry hops. hops because if you put one big ball of dry hop in, you're not going to get the extraction rate that you need. Yeah.
0: Well, and DDH I feel like comes from, it's it's an the old bio. school. Well, it's it's an it's an old school term where when we were doing when when we were in the what is it the the IBU race of mm-hmm. the like the 2010s I yeah, guess the like the, that. the early 2000s to like the 2010s when we were the race to the top for the IBUs and the most palate stripping resiny beer that you can find mm-hmm. that was well we did a uh, a 90 minute continuous hopping during the boil and then we uh continuously hopped
1: it for 90 days that, is something that dogfish head would probably do yeah but and then the whole bio transformation situation mm-hmm. that you know like, once that became a buzzword
0: that's when your double dry hop started yeah and now we know okay so transformation, it can do some things for the hops and not not necessarily what you want though yeah. depending on the beer that you're
1: making there are breweries that only make DDH beer, and you go to the liquor store and you see, you see some. There's one brewery that has ten different SKUs, ten different beers, and they're all totally different beers. And then there are some breweries that have ten different beers on the shelf. The label looks the same. The color is just a little bit different. They all say DDH, and I look at that and I'm like, I don't. You don't gotta call Toppling Goliath out like that, Brian. I'm just. It's saying. a different. <laughs> It's, it's a it's a different one that that i there's there's some distributor that's bringing in all these like double dry hop hazy beer and they all just rot well they don't understand here. the market right no here. they don't you can't just put stuff in the market and expect people to buy a bunch of yeah. rotten beer that tastes the same okay
0: so we've we've <laughs> we've we've gotten off a little
1: bit yeah sorry <laughs>
0: um okay, so basically what we're saying here is uh, take the oats out of your recipes and replace it
1: yeah. with a high protein malt. Yeah. and then think about like if you know if you can, if you can look at this list in the book, the higher manganese hops that are uh, gonna kind of uh, forestall that uh, thiol sulfite uh, scrub. I
0: wonder if it has something to do with like the Australian New Zealand soil because like if we if you look at that chart, Pacific Jade, Galaxy, yeah. those are all newer, I guess, yeah, New World Hops, I it think. Has, is the it thing? has yeah. to. Uh, like so their terroir has to have less magne-
1: manganese in it. Well, and then there's another correlation between um, metal PPM, con- concentration of metals, and, and how... Um alpha acids work too,
0: yes, and that's uh what we're gonna dive in. you want to talk about that
1: Brian? uh I can try yeah All right <laughs> so uh, there's a there was a copper and alpha acid experiment that you know he while well, he was re- researching alpha acids and their ability um to uh, and their uh, their ability to complex metal ions um you know there's a high high percentage of flaked quinoa in the one. Beer that he was making, or I'm sorry, excuse me, she's lots of beer today. Um, the beer had a, a strong penny-like copper flavor, which kind of raises suspicion, obviously on copper levels. So you, you can get this kind of thing tested, and and you know for the for the level of copper, this beer was tested extremely high at you know almost five ppm, which is you know not good. The recommended level is uh, less than 0.25 ppm. So. Where is the copper it's coming from? Way
0: over the flavor threshold, you will taste
1: pennies. You will; it'll just only taste like pennies. So it's likely that some of the copper was um, from using a large percentage of that flaked quinoa. But based on that, it seems unlikely that the entire five ppm was the the quinoa's fault. So where is this copper coming from? You know, it makes sense to to look at like peaches or other the non traditional ingredient, or and that gives us that argument of fruit, vegetable, plants, things like that soaking up. Uh, heavy metals by absorbing them from airborne deposit soil root systems water you know because a lot of this copper comes from the water too but we didn't think about how you know you got to water the plant and it's going to be in the yeah plant. so you have so, more
0: copper there too
1: yeah so uh, trying to figure out this high source of copper in the beer um i think i think in this one in particular it was it, a lot of it had to do with the peaches but bringing mm-hmm. it back to the role that you know, that alpha acids, um, taking the book, uh, extracted alpha acids might, you know, complex some of the copper. Um, so we need to think about that too. Um, so if you overdo the alpha acid content for experimentation purposes, you know, you're like jam all of those hops that we talked about earlier in, uh, citra is one of them. Um, the only way to know for sure if the alpha acids from the dry hop lower like we're measurable copper is to send another sample off to a lab of course um you know but the starting level if you're sitting at five you can probably i'm guessing you could probably taste it um but yeah the so in in the in the end both the literature and his own experiments show that the acids from hops can help to actually lower problematic metals in beer and, and it
0: brought it down to some, like, astronomically low number, didn't yeah, it? Yeah.
1: So layering hops early in the brewing process can have a positive impact and, and definitely, like,
0: But even in, like, so what he, what, he, what, he, what, he ran, what he ran into was it was post, it, like, the beer was done, essentially. Yeah. And it tasted like pennies. And so he shoved a bunch of citra in it. And so, what,
1: what did it lower down to? Uh, I scooted past that page. I'm sorry, but if you want to look while I'm blabbering, but the periodic, so what we're getting at here is periodic and early hopping of the mash. Okay. Stick a pin in that. And the wort can improve the oxidative stabilities of beer primarily by introducing alpha acids with, with alpha acids, which can complex iron and copper metal ions. So the thing I said, stick a pin in, um, early hopping of the mash. So this is another argument for mash hopping. Um, I, I'm still very anti-mash hopping for a very specific reason. Exactly. So that's interesting that this is brought up. But um.
0: so my, I guess my my big beef with mash hopping is it makes it unfit for livestock. And so is yeah. is the gains that you're getting by mash hopping in the beer itself worth the waste that you're creating, making your mash not fit for livestock?
1: Mm, My answer is no, uh, because I don't know where I would put, you know, a thousand pounds of wet grain. Yeah. um, Other than, I mean, literally that's where our grain goes. Is it, is it a giant bin and a farmer picks it up and feeds it to livestock? Um, You know, there are whole cows that are only raised on like, the the grain that that we provide to the farm, so yeah, it's uh, you uh, know, so
0: it went from 4.96 ppm mm-hmm. to 0.23 ppm, which is insane because it does just need to be a dry hop
1: sub 0.26.
0: Yep, for the flavor threshold, or mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, less than
1: 0.25. But yeah, so early insane. hopping the wort, then if we want to skip this or mash hopping situation. That can improve the oxidative stability. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I mean mash hop if if you want. Like, I'm not saying don't. I it's for me it's it it becomes a, an issue of what are we actually gaining here. I uh, you I feel like you can get the same thing if you first wort hop, um, and then you run into a thing like okay you're doing that you're grabbing alpha acids, but what else you really you're not really getting any flavor. Right. so at what point do you just be like, well, I could just use some hop extract to gain those. But I guess if it's helping pull these metals out, then it's probably worth it. Right.
1: So I don't know to kind of recap this difficult chapter, your key findings are oxygen. It needs to be converted to a radical activated form before it can react with the other species in the beer. Um, This can be caused by trace metals, iron, copper, manganese. Um, Spent a lot of time talking about manganese sulfite is the primary antioxidant in beer, which antioxidant is so that the oxygen doesn't get in and ruin the beer. Uh, protein-derived thiols, which is a sulf- sulfur compound, act as a secondary antioxidant, particularly in that LTP one that we were talking about. Uh, be careful with your crystal malts in these types of beers. Uh, be careful about, um, you know, if uh, using uh, chit instead of oats. Uh, different hop varieties are going to have wildly varying concentrations of manganese or metals just in general. Uh, fruit might, uh, contribute a little like the peaches, uh, keep your, uh, dry hop duration short, colder, uh, that'll help too. Unmalted grain have more manganese than malted grain. So uh, if you're, you know, using flaked oats, they have three times more, um, periodic early hopping. Uh, helps us and, you know, not using those sea hops as much, of course. Uh, and then another thing to add on to is when you're bottling or kegging, which actually, I'm sorry, we didn't get to that part. I skipped Oh, it. no, no, go, go ahead. So when you're bottling or kegging, keg conditioning hoppy beer, it's better to add some fresh uh, dried yeast to encourage healthy and quick re-fermentation. So this is if you're doing bottling, conditioner, if you're a home brewer, um, that, but the... Sp- Specifically, he mentioned CBC One from Lalamand in here, and I am I am very very familiar with CBC One because it is the number one yeast for doing uh, your refermentation for cask beer. Oh, really? In, in my mind, yeah, that's I think it, that <laughs> perked my perked my brain up because I think we're going on what is it four years that I. Well, maybe more like three and a half that that I've not been working for someone else's brewery and I spent a lot of time at the the last brewery before doing H- and barrel I did a lot of casks like I was the guy that did all of the casks and they had one it was one cask per like a per week in the tap room they would go through um, so I was always making something but CBC one just does what it's supposed to do which is to carbonate it to one, you know, if you do the math, do the math. It's like 1.5p, no. Uh, 1.7, 1.7 is what 7, you're kind okay. of shooting. 1.7 volumes is what you're shooting yeah. for, but like two, two point 2.345 is what you're shooting for for actual beer in like a bottle or a can. So, yeah, um, you know, you, you, you got to do the math, obviously. Um, maybe we could do an episode on that at some point, but... Yeah, we definitely
0: need to do one on cast.
1: Right, so the cool thing, I guess, about this CBC1, this dried yeast strain that's very successful, CBC1 Lalamand, um... The, the the way the reason why this one is selected for re-fermentation is because it's resistant to high alcohol. So I'm already I already have a beer that's fermented and it's probably seven and a half eight percent, and I'm taking and throwing it in a cask, and and I am I am trying to get it to re-ferment to give it a little bit of
0: so um, oomph, a little yeah, a little,
1: little bit of carbonation. So and CBC one is very resistant to high alcohol is completely neutral uh, flavor profile for esters and alcohol. Uh, quick, vigorous fermentation. The downside is uh, it's a killer yeast, so it'll kill. What, what do we call? They uh, call them zombies or other yeast strains, which are sensitive to whatever interesting toxin is uh, in CBC. I guess toxin's probably not a good word to use in my mind, but the killer aspect isn't as big of a deal for refermentation because primary uh, fermentation's over. So you're not killing anything. You're, if you yeah. are killing anything, it's a good thing. um I wouldn't, obviously, <laughs> you wouldn't use that for a primary. Uh, but it should be treated like an intentional bacteria in in sour beers, uh, and so careful attention to be paid to sanitation, cleaning. Uh, it's not used to, so it's not used to contaminate future primary ferments.
0: All right. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know if I have anything to add to
1: this. I don't think so either. Thanks for bearing with us through that chapter. Yeah, it's. I mean, <laughs> it was, it
0: was dense. You guys know, like some of these have been very dense. We haven't done the most amazing job uh, with some of these, uh, but. Man, this this
1: overall this book, this is awesome. book has just been a game changer, left left right up and down. Um,
0: All right. Um, yeah, guys, so uh, thanks for bearing with us. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, show ideas, or what have you, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at blindindestudios.com, or you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash studios, or follow us on Twitter at Blindindest ninja, or find us on Instagram at Studios. And we'll see you guys next week. Peace!